0: John chapter 5 verses 1 to 15 and the passage is entitled Jesus Heals a Lame Man. Afterward Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame or paralysed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. For Jesus had disappeared into the crowd, but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him.
1: Amen. Thank you. That's the reading of God's word. Thank you, Ashley. Amazing, so it's been a while since I've been up here actually, I'm not sure if I can recognize some faces, yeah, a couple of familiar faces, but it's been a while, but uh, I actually preached on a different encounter with Jesus back in January, and so I, but I just, I couldn't think of a better, no, this is the wrong, this is the wrong slide guys, this is my last preach, so this is the wrong encounter with Jesus, Uh, that could be a problem uh okay we can get rid of the powerpoint that's fine not a problem don't worry about the powerpoint that is the title of my sermon but it's the old sermon um so maybe we don't have the current sermon on there which is awesome so anyway uh, i will be preaching on uh, an encounter with jesus and today uh yeah just you know we're There are many miracles in the Bible. There's about 37 recorded miracles throughout uh, the Gospels. And there there are a variety of of different miracles there, from healing to uh, mass, mass feeding to catching fish to casting out demons to turning water into wine. Everyone say, hallelujah, that's my kind of miracle. But there's about 37 different miracles uh, But there's actually many untold. John 21 verse uh, 25 says, Jesus did many more things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room in their books that that would be written. That was the very last line that, that John says in his, in his gospel. And I'm just like, mate, come on, give us some more. Like, this is a bit, that's like a cop-out, isn't it? He's like, I can't be bothered to write the rest, so just know that Jesus did more. But Jesus did lots and lots of miracles. He was a man who, who, who desired to, to make an impact and has made an impact for eternity. And this uh, this one, I don't know if we're going to have a PowerPoint, but this uh, this story is about a, a man who had been lame for thirty eight years, and it says in the text uh, in verse five, uh, verse one, sorry, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem. So, giving a bit of context, why, where was Jesus? Why did he arrive back in Jerusalem? Well, to give a bit of context, John 4, we see that Jesus had gone to Samaria and had met a lady, a, Samar- a Samaritan woman, at the well. And he had, he had told her uh, some an amazing things and he said that I can give you living water. And as a result, we read on that actually many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus and later on, in the in the Gospel in, in uh, John four, we see that he then goes to Galilee, uh, where he's not welcome. But why does he go there? Because he wants he needs to go and heal an official's son. And as a result, not only does the official's son get healed, but actually the official's whole family uh, believes. As a result, Jesus always did everything on purpose. He went to Samaria on purpose. He's going to Jerusalem on purpose. He does everything on purpose in your life and in my life. And as we see in this story... Of the lame man, but it goes on and it says after Jesus returned to Jerusalem uh, for one of the Jewish holy days, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Beth- Bethesda. Bethesda, however you say it, Bethesda, with five covered porches. His main purpose was not to come for the original the the religious ceremony, although that was one of the things he was doing. But his main purpose was to come and to meet. A man and to send us each a message. And so he comes inside the city near the sheep gate and, 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 bar, and, in, and into this place and, and he comes to the pool of Baseda. And I did have some pictures, but unfortunately uh, we don't have them. But you can actually go visit that now because they've actually excavated the land and it's now called uh, St. Anne's, uh, Anne's Pools. And they've actually proven that actually these pools still exist today. There's still ruins to show that where this miracle happened is actually still in existence. You can go visit them today and I wonder if Tola is going to visit them on a holy trip that she's doing soon. But the word Bethesda has a beautiful meaning. It means a house of mercy. It means a house of grace. And that is what God is all about. He's all about mercy and grace today. And as we, as, as we read on in the text, it says that there were five uh, covered porches or, or colonnades. And, and people were crowded. The sick were crowded under these covered areas. Blind, lame, paralyzed, lay under the porches. And Jesus purposely walks to Jerusalem. He purposely walks into a pool of crowded sick people and he purposely walks into a place which was absolute carnage there's a part in the text which actually uh, wasn't read it was on the screen if we'd had it but there's a a part in your text which you might not actually see and it's verse 4 it says the the chapter 5 goes verse 1, 2, 3 and then it jumps to 5 and you're like what happened there did the dude kind of just forget about verse 4 but actually they've Actually, the the writers later on added a verse in order to help people understand a bit more of the context and a bit more of understanding of why so many sick people were gathering by the pool. And it says this in verse 4. It says, Holy or in part paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to, to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters, and for the first one into the pool after each uh, such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. And so they had a massive believing. All these, all these sick people believed that if, if the water started bubbling, then if they were the first to jump in, they were going to be healed. That was what they all believed. And can you just imagine the first time, that it would just be absolute carnage. I can't even imagine. Like You've got people that are paralyzed who are crawling. Then you've got people that are blind who are kind of trying to just find their way to this pool. I can just imagine them stumbling over people. And it's just like absolute carnage in order to be the first. You've got people jumping into the pool. And it reminds me a lot. I was watching TV the other day. And I don't know if you've seen the series called Holidays from Hell. And it just reminds me a lot of a holiday from hell. You know that moment if you go to a sunny place and they have a pool. And it's that moment in the morning where everyone wants to get a sun lounger. Do you know that moment? I don't know if you've watched. If you, ever, if you want to Google it, just Google Holidays from Hell sun lounger. Amazing. And you got this, the, the, what happens is that all, all the tourists are there, all the people, the sun worshippers are there with their towels, there their, not their sun cream, but their beers, and they're ready to go, and they're just waiting for the whistle from the attendant. And then the whistle comes. <laughs> and everyone just the mass it looks like a bunch of like crazy people just running like headless chickens to try and put their towel down on the nearest lilo to the, the they want it the closest place or the best angle to catch the sun and you got people fighting and punching and like it's just it's just absolute carnage and i can imagine a bit like that at this time where this man who'd been paralyzed and had been there for 38 years He wanted his place by the pool. Actually, he wanted his place in the pool, but he couldn't get there. He wanted to get there, but he couldn't. And that's where we find ourselves today. And I think there's, with every good buckskin sermon, there is a three-point, isn't there, Will? Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you three points of which I think God wants to say to us today. And I'm going to keep them real simple because I believe, you know, kiss it, keep it simple, Stuart, Stuart. I was stupid, one of the two. But, you know, we just keep it simple. So the first one is Jesus knows. Says in verse 5, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Jesus saw him and he knew him. In a mass crowd of carnage, and a mass crowd of sick people, there were so many people of varying diseases and sicknesses. Jesus saw this man and he knew all about him. He knew that he'd been sick for a very long time. He knew his situation and I want to promise you today he knows your situation today. He knows, he knew this man and he knew that he'd been lying by the pool for 38 years. He knew that he was completely hopeless. He knew that he had no one to carry him to the pool to receive his healing. He knew that after so long, his body had been deteriorated and withered and tired. He knew that he was, this man was about to give up. This man was frustrated. He was hopeless. He was lacking self-worth. He was poor. He was lonely. He was isolated and he was desperate. But Jesus knew him. Jesus knew him. And he knows us too. You know, I love the scriptures and I love what it says in the word of God. You know, if you read throughout the word of God, we can see how God knows each and every one of us. Psalm 138 says, before you were born, I knew you. Matthew 10, 30, he knows the very hairs on your heads. Jeremiah 12, verse 3, he knows you and he sees you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Jesus knows you and he knows your heart, as it says in Psalm 139. There's something beautiful about being known by God, the author and the Perfector, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He knows me and he knows you. He knows the pain you're feeling. He knows the frustration of the continual sickness and ailment that you've carried. He knows the frustration and even the desires to get into schools or whatever it is. He knows each and every one of us. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how much I know my wife. And as, I, uh, as we started dating uh, back in the day, um, I thought, wow, this lady is an absolute beauty. I am blessed beyond measure. And I still am very blessed beyond measure. But as you, know, as you get to know and you, you're in the dating stage, you start building the confidence. You start kind of like strutting your stuff and you start kind of wanting to get to know them so that you kind of know that you're kind of the man in the household or the man like, yeah, come on, yeah. We know our wives, so yeah, come on. But yeah, I kind of got to know my wife, my my wife at that point, my girlfriend at that time and we were kind of dating and we were doing phone calls at night, we would even fall asleep sometimes uh, as we were just listening to each other's sweet voices and so we were getting to know each other and romance each, uh, each other, oh it was beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And so anyway, we decided to get engaged and that was just glorious, you know, in that moment when you say, oh I do, hallelujah, that's just an amazing moment. And then you come to that moment, that moment on the wedding day and after the honeymoon when you actually really begin to know your wife. (laughs) When you begin to know things you probably didn't want to know about your wife, hallelujah. And the same probably vice versa. But actually that is when you really start to get to know, and I really started to get to know and then you have kids. And then you really get to start to know your wife and your kids and yourself so much more. But actually, we don't need any of that. God knows us more than I know my wife. More than I know myself. He knows me. He knows everything about me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Hallelujah. And he cares for me. You know, my dad said to me one day, he said, Son, I've been married for 40 years and I still don't know your mum. <laughs> I'm like, Thanks, dad. Thanks for the tip. So, all you husbands out there, we've got a long way to go. Hallelujah. But we just thank God that he knows us, he knows us instantly, he knows everything about us. He knows and he cares. For our Psalm 139 says, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word was on my tongue, you, O Lord, knew it completely. Hallelujah. 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 He knows our comings and our goings. He knows our lying down. He knows the very words on our tongues. This is amazing grace. Communion, amazing grace. And this whole story is amazing grace. That actually grace brought Jesus to the pool of Bethesda, even though there was a large crowd of sick people. Grace <laughs> taught, to, gave Jesus a point to single out one man in the crowd, and says, "I know you." Grace saw the man. Grace knew the man, and Grace walked over to the man, and the grace of Jesus talked to the man because the grace of God goes beyond anything else his grace is sufficient for me and for you because he knows us today so first of all he knows us secondly he Jesus Jesus knows and the second point is Jesus heals he knows and he heals who believes Jesus is a healing God today hallelujah Amen. We're in a good church right now. Hallelujah. So Jesus heals and we, we know that you know, Jesus already knew the man and he knew what was happening to this man. He knew him amongst so many people. And I love what John Piper says. He said this, he says, Jesus moves toward need, not comfort. Toward broken hearted sinners, not the self-righteous. Jesus, he was so overcome with compassion and love for this person that he knew and he, he wanted so much to know the healing hand of God that he moved towards him and he asked him this question, would you like to get well? Duh. I mean, come on, Jesus. Like, What kind of question is that? Like, Would you like to get well? I think that's kind of a given. The dude's at the pool. He's waiting to get healed. He wants to get in the pool. But it's really interesting because Jesus is not saying it because he already knows the answer. Jesus is saying it because he wants to probe the man. He wants to probe the heart of the man. Do you really want to be healed? Hmm. It's all you've ever known for the last 38 years, it's where you probably get your income and money from because you're used to begging and receiving handouts are you willing to give that up are you willing to take up your cross and follow me it's a question which has so many things that sometimes we don't always want to give up what we know even though we know it's not the best for us sometimes we're stuck in a habit of sin or we're stuck in a, a, a bad habit of lifestyle or whatever it is. And, you know, Jesus says, do you really want to know me? Do you really want to, me to heal you? Or are you just happy to carry on in the same way that you've always carried on? That was the, what Jesus was asking. Do you really want to be healed? Matthew 16 verse 24 says, if any of you come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And it's really interesting the response of this blind man, or this lame man, because he says, uh, I can't, sir. He instantly comes with, his, with the problem. He says, like, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up, and someone else always gets there before me. The man had been defeated, he'd been rejected, he'd been there for so long, he'd given up all hope. How many times do we say to God, but I can't. I can't give this up. I can't change my lifestyle. I can't pick up my cross and follow you. Oh, someone else is doing, it. They, they're going to get there before me. They're better than me. But Jesus is not worried about other people. He's worried about you. He's worried about me. He wants us to know that he cares for us. The sick man does what we nearly all do. He limits God's help to his own ideas and does not dare to promise himself more because he doesn't want to think it's possible. Sometimes we limit God because sometimes we don't actually realize that actually he is our healer right before us. We carry on doing the same things we've always done. We go through the same rituals. We do the same things because we actually don't really sometimes want to surrender ourselves to Christ. But I love Jesus' response to this man. Even though this man seems to not believe, he doesn't even seem to know who Jesus is. He just seems to kind of say, but who are you? Why don't you take me to the pool? But Jesus says something really amazing. He says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. At least nine times in the Gospels, we can see that Jesus is led by compassion to a person in order to help them see a transformation in their life. Verse 9 says, instantly, no, 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 kind of waiting. As soon as Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began to walk. Jesus' words have great authority in our lives. Whether we like it or not, if we submit to him, if we submit to his will and his way for our lives, just the very word of, of, of Jesus helped this man's diseased bones and muscles to obey and to come together and to work so that he could, no matter how long he'd been lying there, he was able to pick up his mat and he was able to walk into the healing that God, that Jesus had in store for him. He commanded the man to do the very thing he was unable to do. But he gave him the power to do it. This morning, Jesus can heal. He can do remarkable, amazing, miraculous things. And he doesn't always heal instantly. He doesn't always do it. If you think about this story, he chose one person in a crowd of people that were sick. But when Jesus speaks, hallelujah, Jesus heals just by one word of his mouth because he has power to enable that which is seemingly impossible. And it's really interesting because as this dude picks up his mat and he's walking along, he's probably like really excited and jacked. But the first thing he receives is like a kick from the Jewish leaders. They're just like, dude, boom, get back on the floor. Why are you walking with your mat? You're breaking the Sabbath rules. Why are you breaking the Sabbath rules? Why are you not following what we've told you to follow? And this man says, oh, but I I was told to. Jesus told me. Not Jesus, because he didn't know them at that point. But he said, a man told me to pick up my mat and follow. You know, the problem was they were so focused on The exterior, they were so focused on their rituals and on what they had to do that they missed what God was doing right there in the midst of them. I wonder how often we miss what God is doing in this church, what God is doing in our local communities, what God is doing in our homes, in our streets. I'm going to share it with Tracy Ross, sharing you the password. Hallelujah. I wonder what we might miss if we get so caught up in the way we've done things, the thoughts we've had about things, the religious attitudes we've had, that actually we miss what God is wanting to say and do today. So we see that Jesus knows, we see that Jesus heals, and lastly, we see that Jesus reveals and after this big kind of uh, issue with the, the local uh, the, the leaders of the day, after the whole challenge they had and, and the Jewish leaders were, were kind of wondering where, where this man was, uh, who this man was that did the healing, the lame man had no idea. But we see that in verse 13 it says, the man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. You know, Jesus wasn't content with just knowing the man. Jesus wasn't content with just healing the man. Jesus wanted to reveal himself to the man. And so he found him in the temple. And this man was probably in the temple, maybe offering like a a little thanksgiving to God because he'd just been healed. And Jesus sought after this man and he revealed himself to him. He came to him in a busy temple and he approached him. You know, when I said at the beginning of the sermon that Jesus does all things on purpose, this is the purpose of this healing. Yes, it was to give the man who had been lame for 38 years the ability to walk. But actually, the purpose of this healing was to reveal to him who Jesus really, really is. To reveal to him who he was and the, the, the miracle that he could do. And so he said to the man, he said this. Now you are well, so stop sinning or something else, even worse, may happen to you. The man is, is kind of probably not really sure what's going on. But Jesus is very concerned about the physical healing of this man. But actually, he's more concerned about the spiritual soul of this man. He's more concerned about his relationship with God. There is no evidence to show that the man, when he picked up his, walk, when he picked up his mat, even believed in Jesus. Because he didn't even know who he was. And so Jesus wanted to take it that step forward, a step further. And he wanted to show the man... That actually, you can receive the gift, but sometimes you don't always re- receive the giver. We can receive a healing, but we don't always receive the healer, do we? Sometimes in our life today, we want God to answer all our questions. We want God to tick all our boxes. We want God to sort out all our chaos and all our problems. And that's great because he wants to. He cares for us and he knows us. And he, so- he wants to be in the presence of all our problems but sometimes we don't always want to understand that actually it comes a bit further. It comes to the point of revealing who God truly is. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2 says, To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those who are called, who call on the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ 1 Peter 1 verse 15 says but Jesus as he uh, sorry but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because I am holy I'm going to ask the band to come up you know what Jesus was greatly concerned about this man yes he wanted to heal him But he came to him because he wanted to reveal the saving grace of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to have a personal relationship with this man. And he wanted him to realize that he was healed for holiness. He was healed to be made more like Jesus. He was healed so that he could become more like Jesus each and every day. Jesus is saying to them, it's great that you're healed, it's amazing, come on. But let's not stop there. I'm giving you this free gift. I'm giving you an opportunity of a lifetime. If you come to me, if you follow me, if you pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus today is calling each and every one of us not only to know him, not only to receive physical healing, but actually to ultimately to understand and to, to get a revelation of who he is as he reveals himself to us. That in our brokenness, in our hurting, in our, in, our, in our inability to help ourselves, that Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, died and rose again so that we can have life And life in abundance. John 10 verse 10 says, I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I wonder this morning, are we living abundant lives? Are our lives so full that actually we just see that God is in the midst of us? There are going to be times when it's hard. There's going to be times when we feel like we're like that man by the pool. And we don't know where our healing's coming from. But in those moments, are we realizing that God is calling us to be a people after his own heart? A people who are holy, set apart, and called to build his kingdom here on earth. Why don't we worship and respond?